0: This is the morning brief from the Economic Times.
1: It's been an action packed few days for India's digital payments. Last Thursday night, WhatsApp was finally allowed to roll out WhatsApp Pay, which will allow you to make payments between individuals on the messaging app. Even though this will initially be limited to 20 million users, it's expected to be a game changer. Considering WhatsApp's user base of over 400 million in India. But along with that was another bombshell from payments regulator NPCI that it's going to introduce a 30% cap on payment volumes for all third party payment apps like PhonePay or Google Pay. This means that of the total payments that happen on UPI, a PhonePay or a Google Pay or even a WhatsApp Pay can have only a 30% share. Now, how exactly this will be implemented is not entirely clear yet. But there's no getting away from the fact that this is a huge decision. And it's one that has already attracted criticism from some quarters. Remember that all of this is coming at a time when monthly transactions on UPI for the first time cross the 2 billion mark. In today's episode, we'll be taking a closer look at what these landmark decisions mean for India's still nascent payments ecosystem and the many ways that it's going to be impacted. From The Economic Times, I'm Induleka Aravind, and you're listening to The Morning Z. To take us through these big bank developments, I have with me Deepak Abbott, co-founder of fintech startup India Gold and someone who tracks the payment system very closely. Along with him is Ashwin Manikandan, who covers the fintech and payment sectors at The Economic Times. Ashwin, Deepak, thanks so much for joining us today. Now, Deepak, I'm going to come to you first. Could you explain the significance of WhatsApp Pay finally getting the green signal and what that means for the different stakeholders? I mean, from what I understand, a little over 100 million people use UPI in India, right?
0: Yes, so, uh, you know, WhatsApp uh, has been trying, as we all know, for the last two years to launch payments. In fact, they were given a beta approval in 2018 for a million users. Uh, but again, you know, uh, they got embroiled into multiple issues around data localization and a couple of other issues. But finally, now that they are here, uh, they have two more restrictions to uh, handle now. One is the 20 million restriction, which is based on the number of users that they can onboard. And the second restriction, which applies to the overall UPI ecosystem, is that one TPA cannot have more than 30%. So that means at some point in time, WhatsApp will also have to start capping the number of transactions that they can do. So while initial 20 million will ensure that, you know, they anyways don't cross 25, 30% threshold, uh, but eventually when they will be allowed to to give option to all the 400 million users, which I believe would be a staggered release, at that point in time, they'll have to figure out how to really, uh, you know, uh, handle this 30% restriction. So it's it's, it's a big move to, you know... uh, restrict number of transactions this is unprecedented has never been done anywhere in the world you know i believe the real reason could be that it's a middle way to bring in whatsapp i think uh, everyone wanted whatsapp to be live so that it can grow the overall ecosystem but they were all worried that you know they might have monopolistic control over the upi payment so i think to counter that they've brought these two decisions together i think that's the middle ground that they found Uh, Having said that, I think uh, even then WhatsApp will uh, expand the UPI network. It will bring in a lot of new users. And I believe that it will eat away some share of PhonePay and Google Pay. But I think initially they'll focus on getting a lot of uh, users who've not tried payments before. So we're looking at a very interesting picture two years down the line when the actual restriction of 30% comes into the effect. Because uh, you have to understand that for Google Pay and PhonePay, they have a two-year window. Because, you know, they already add 40%. So, so they'll have to gradually, you know, bring it down to 30%. For WhatsApp, restriction applies from Jan 2021. So, so from, from, from their perspective, they'll have to start thinking about uh, applying these restrictions in terms of, you know, number of transactions a user can do, or number of users they can onboard. But assuming in 2023, when, you know, all three players are still existing and they're all, you know, still big on UPI, I can pretty much see that UPI at least... Uh, you know, uh, doing three times more transactions than what they are doing right now.
1: We'll come back to the 30% ceiling in a little while. But Ashwin, could you also kind of explain why it took so long for WhatsApp Pay to finally roll out? Because as Deepak just mentioned, the the beta was launched uh, two and a half years ago, right?
2: That's right. That's right, Induleka. First of all, thank you so much for having me. So before I get into the explanation, I want to sort of say this and say this in no uncertain terms, that the nod given by NPCI to WhatsApp Pay at this point of time is still not full-fledged. It comes with two very important caveats. First of all, only 20 million users will be allowed. And the second part is only P2P transactions are allowed in the first phase of launch, right? Okay. So this means that a user using WhatsApp Pay can only send transactions to each other and not, I mean, the transactions can't happen for any sort of commercial transaction, say, at a merchant point or, you know, I, I cannot go to a shop and use WhatsApp Pay to make a commercial transaction. So it's
1: just that you can send money to me and vice versa, for instance.
2: Exactly, exactly, Induleka, exactly. So it took up about 30 months, right, uh, since WhatsApp Pay rolled out its early beta mode where 1 million users were onboarded. And between this period, I mean, it really brought out the you know full strength of indian indian bureaucracy right in sort of checking different compliances different technical issues that could possibly impact the experience the security the privacy of users who would be on a whatsapp pay and only after supreme court was satisfied that the, the compliance processes seemed largely well thought out you know executed only after that did whatsapp pay get its second approval while the part of the question of whether whatsapp was ready for upi that was answered over these last uh, 2.5 years there is a second equally important question that still requires to be answered and this is whether upi is ready for whatsapp right as per the estimate of the industry there are around 160 150 million people who use different forms of mobile based payment services in india and a large chunk of it, over 50-60% of, uh, of this sort of user base actively use UPI. Now imagine even 50% of WhatsApp's over 50 million user base hmm. coming onto WhatsApp pay in a month or in two months or even over a quarter, right? This is unimaginable for the banking sort of infrastructure as to how they will manage this volume. And this is a serious question which requires thorough sort of thinking. Uh, and only after this question is answered, whether the massive volume that when the users of WhatsApp Pay will come on to UPI will not result in increased failed transactions, uh, lagging of the process or create any other sort of systemic risk for UPI. Until then, it's very unlikely that WhatsApp Pay will get the second set of approval, which would broaden to, it. Uh, to extend
1: the uh, uh, services correct, to more users. Correct that's right so does it mean uh, that the you know the 30% ceiling is that also in any way uh, connected to this you know whether uh, upi is ready for whatsapp deepak you mentioned that the ceiling is unprecedented and we've already heard you know google pay for instance express their unhappiness with this
0: there's no doubt that this is slightly illogical because uh, this restriction is only on tpas these third party app and if you actually see the total load of upi it actually falls on the banking infra and since they do not have any cap which means today sbi and hdfc which processes over 70% of the upi transactions if they go down because of increased number of transactions and they do take uh, regular downtime these days because of uh, you know upi maintenance uh, it actually brings the overall upi down so it doesn't really matter that i have restriction in the front end for these apps but if these, these banks itself are not ready, uh, then, you know, this 30% in the front end uh, will not solve any purpose. So I think someone will have to, on that NPCI and RBI, they'll have to work closely with bank and see how can they increase the infra capacity. How can they build a robust technology to ensure that uh, today, 2 billion, maybe 4 billion uh, next year, or maybe 6 billion in two years time uh, can be supported.
1: So banks are evidently under a lot of strain. Now, those who track the sector like yourself, Deepak, have pointed out that the zero MDR regime has moved any incentive for banks to improve the payment infrastructure. Could you please explain that?
0: Sure. So MDR is a merchant discount rate which acquiring banks or acquiring uh, uh, third-party apps used to charge the merchant for enabling UPI payments. So, for example, if today Paytm or PhonePay or Google Pay, they acquire a merchant, they uh, put a QR there a merchant had to pay 0.45 to 0.85% MDR, which is, you know, a standard uh, commission fee charged by all payment systems across the world. So Visa charges is MasterCard charges. All the banks, you know, they have this minimum cost charged from the merchant for accepting digital payments. And the reason why this was charged that, you know, it is enabling merchants to accept a lot more payments. If someone comes up with a Visa card or a MasterCard or 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 a UPI app, you know, they do not turn down that customer. So, so, so that money would be then divided between three parties. So there's a, a acquiring bank, then there's a issuing bank, and there's NPCI. All three will have some share of this 0.8% that gets collected from the merchant. And that drove the overall ecosystem uh, uh, up because that money would go back into the system where, you know, they would build infra, build servers, build support. Um, you know, create teams to, you know, uh, ensure that security is met because there was money coming into the system. And while 0. 0.4, 0. 5 may look like a smaller amount, but imagine at a 3 lakh crore at which UPI is, UPI is operating today, uh, even at 0.5%, you know, we're talking about some uh, 1,500 crore rupees of money that could have come into the system, which could have helped these banks to build uh, infra uh, around UPI.
1: So why did the government... Uh announce this zero MDR regime? So government thought
0: that, you know, it will drive digital transactions. And I also find that logic little flawed. And I'll tell you why. So government thought that, you know, with MDR going zero, more merchants should adopt digital uh, payments. And in turn, you know, customers will then, you know, start paying digitally. Now, if I take you back to 2018, post to early 2019, when all big merchant acquirers like PhonePay, uh, Paytm, uh, BharatPay. They used to acquire small merchants. You know your mom and pop stores, your roadside roadside stalls, and your you know smaller uh, shops, and also bigger uh, merchants. Your chain stores, your uh, supermarkets. Now uh, all the three acquirers they had this uh, you know uh, a model where if you are a small merchant and collecting less than ten thousand rupees a month, you will be charged zero percent MDR. Now. They were funding it from the venture capital that they, they had raised to drive the overall uh, uh, payments market. It was in their interest to you know build the mouth of the funnel so big so that when those merchants become become big tomorrow, they start paying MDR. So that's how you know this model worked beautifully. Where without really enforcing zero percent MDR, uh, most of these private players they were anyways offering zero percent MDR just to acquire merchants. So merchants were happy because you know they didn't have to pay anything. And bigger merchants who were actually paying MDR happily earlier, any merchant or Uber for that matter, you know, any they were always happy paying MDR. Now suddenly, after government said zero percent MDR, they also came under this zero percent rule, which means they also stopped paying all the uh, you know acquirers. So the money which was coming in from bigger merchants and they were happily paying it now stopped coming. Now these merchants, you know, they saved this money, but they didn't pass on this benefit to the consumer. So to the end consumer. You know, there was no incentive to, you know, pay digitally. So this whole exercise, I believe, was in waste because we didn't drive transaction from the end consumer.
1: Sure. Ashwin, uh, have you heard anything of any kind of rethink about this from the government? I mean, now with WhatsApp pay also rolling out, as you know, both of you mentioned, the pressure on the infrastructure is going to increase.
2: Right. So... Induleka, when the government first announced the waiver of MDR during the budget of 2019, there was a couple of representations made to several departments, you know, by NPCI asking where they advocated for a reduced sort of MDR, but not a complete waiver, right? And uh, to my knowledge, uh, there were some deliberations and you know there was a rethink of this policy as well, but the finance ministry decided to go ahead with it anyway, and this was announced. Uh, on uh, December 28th or 29th and enforced from 1st of January. So, within a week in December of 2019, the policy came into force. Uh, Now, this came as a big shock for NPCI. And right after that, both NPCI and country's largest public sector bank, State Bank of India, wrote very strongly worded letters to the Finance Ministry. So, NPCI in the letter estimated that the losses they'll incur would exceed 2,000 crores. And when they say the losses they incur, it means that the losses are incurred by the entire digital payments ecosystem. And they argued right, that uh, UPI is a public uh, infrastructure, whereas the decision not to waive off MDR on Visa and MasterCard modes of payment, this will also have an impact in the sense that this is a competitive disadvantage because banks would now prefer issuing those instruments of payment where they can actually make money and we are seeing i mean google pay is actually developing a feature on its app where a customer can make the payment through a visa mastercard embedded on their phone through a technology called tokenization so basically i can go to a shop use my google pay app to pay somebody without the use of upi right sure
1: And uh, like we discussed, I assume that once, you know, WhatsApp reaches more users, the stress is only going to get greater on the system. Now, Deepak, if you were to kind of zoom out and, you know, give us your perspective, do you see payments as being the next big frontier for the big US giants in India, like Facebook, Google and Walmart?
0: Yeah, Uh, so let's understand, you know, what payments enable actually. So payments is not something which I don't, I think all these three players are fighting for. I think they are fighting for customers who do digital transactions so that they can cross sell or upsell other products to them. So for example, today, uh, Paytm makes a lot of money from, you know, offering all those digital services, be it prepaid or postpaid or bill payment, insurance premium or electricity payment or school fee. So they build those 70 to 80 products on top of payments. Right. They started selling movie tickets, for example. They started selling rail tickets, air tickets, started selling hotels. Now, these are the products which eventually make money for Paytm or for that matter, uh, phone pay or in future, maybe you know uh, WhatsApp and Google Pay. So payment is a layer which enables seamless uh, transactions. Right. So so I don't think so. everyone is fighting for uh, getting more and more P2P and P2M into their system. They are all fighting for acquiring users who are digitally savvy, who have means to pay online and, you know, when they are in your ecosystem or they are, you know, using your app actively, how can you, you know, sell them products where you start eventually, uh, you know, making money, you know, so your money will come from the products that are built on top of payments.
1: Sure. So my final question to uh, both of you, Deepak, I'll come to you first, considering whatsapp's large user base in india do you expect uh security to be a major concern
0: i think uh security there are two aspects to it one is that is the system secure right so i believe that you know uh so since npaci does all the audits before they release the app they allow any tps to go live so so as far as the system security is concerned, I think that is taken care of. And WhatsApp, you know, we all know uh, they are a tech powerhouse. Uh, Facebook is a great tech company. So it, from, from the product perspective, from the tech perspective, I don't see any challenges. The only challenge I see is the social engineering frauds that may happen, right? So we, today we see a lot of phishing uh, uh, you know, attacks that happen. People try and extract your... Uh, debit card details, your bank details, you know, Paytm used to face those KYC frauds. People used to call them saying your KYC expired and they would extract their, uh, you know, Paytm details. Uh, Now with uh, WhatsApp bringing in new users, they might be a little gullible. They might be a little less severe. Uh, So I'm I'm afraid that, you know, some of, uh, some of these users might get duped. Someone could hijack someone's, uh, you know, uh, phone. They can steal someone's phone, open WhatsApp send message to everyone that you know hey i'm stuck somewhere can you send me some money so th- things like these can happen and you know that that is something which uh, is not directly controllable by technology over a period of time i think uh, platforms will have to see how do they check all these uh, you know uh, social engineering uh, uh, frauds that that might that might scale when uh, uh, new users first time users come onto the platform
1: Sure. And considering WhatsApp's reach and, you know, the uh, socio-economic backgrounds as well, I guess that's a valid concern. Ashwin, uh, what do you make of that?
2: No, absolutely. Absolutely. WhatsApp as a product, as a, you know, as a messaging platform, it's well documented how easy it is to spread misinformation. And if you extend that thought, right, it can be quite a... For a fraudster, it's really it opens up the channel to reach out to gullible customers and just as Deepak also mentioned, socially sort of manipulate them into giving their private uh, financial sort of information. Second part, and I think this is where, uh, you know, the policymakers can also come in. There's no real um, legislation in terms of how digital payment frauds are addressed at this point of time, right? It still comes under some section of IT Act where the fraudsters are prosecuted under uh, identity theft but you know the real question is on whom does this liability really fall uh, is it the payment service provider is it the bank i mean at this point of time what the law says is if i voluntarily share my personal financial information with someone the liability is on me as a customer
1: absolutely and if it's two things we know one is that fraudsters are usually way ahead of the game and when it comes to technology Unfortunately, our legislation tends to still play catch up. So I guess we'll just have to see how that uh, pans out as uh, more users come on board. Deepak, Ashwin, thank you so much for joining us today for a very interesting discussion on what the payments landscape looks like. Thanks
0: Indulekha, thanks for having us.
2: Thank you so much uh, Induleka, and thank you so much Deepak as well.
1: Even as digital payments in India are expected to get a boost with the much-awaited rollout of WhatsApp Pay, it's evident from our discussion that concerns remain, particularly around the 30% ceiling on transaction volume for each third-party payment app once that comes into effect. For the ecosystem, the lack of incentive to build infrastructure to cope with the inevitable surge in volume is another hurdle they hope will be resolved in coming days. One thing is evident. This is a space that's going to see a lot more action in the coming few months as more new users try out digital payments and competition for their wallets gets tougher. That's it from me today. You're listening to The Morning Brief from The Economic Times and I'm Induleka Arvind. Today's episode was edited by Devina Sengupta and Anjali Venugopalan and coordinated by Nehal Chelyavala. Do send your feedback to The Morning Brief at timesgroup.com. The Morning Brief airs every Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. Thank you for listening and have a great day.